Should I start off? Sure, man. All right. Welcome to Guilty Mixtape. This is our first episode. I'm Matt Bogart. I'm joined with the always handsome Steve Long. Thank Steve, you. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. And uh, this is going to be a podcast where we talk about our favorite pop culture guilty pleasures from movies, TV shows, music, you name it. We'll probably talk about it. And uh, Steve actually wrote up this wonderful um, soliloquy about pop culture guilty pleasures. Steve, take it away. Thanks, man. Uh, okay. Guilty pleasures. There seems to be a cottage industry dedicated to the idea. Endless ads for decadent desserts, while a housewife hides in the basement and devours some chocolate pudding. Parents scheme to steal Kraft mac and cheese from their kids. The pairing of the two words themselves seem an oxymoron. Pleasing oneself has become so centralized in American culture, hardly does anyone feel guilty when they do something that they love. But you've seen articles in magazines like Entertainment Weekly or Glamour about movies or songs you hate to love every single year. I was raised by my parents to have a discerning musical taste. My dad in the 70s actually wore a Disco Sucks t-shirt. My parents would play the Moody Blues, Frank Zappa, and Rush, all the way to Mozart and Vivaldi. I definitely didn't have much taste for popular music, but my mom, she had a streak in her. She enjoyed show tunes, musicals, and uh, even Gordon Lightfoot, despite also liking the good stuff. Which got me thinking, throughout my own life, I'd been afraid to admit eavesdropping and enjoying a few Ace of Bass songs as my sister wore out their first album on cassette. Or moments that I'd buy CDs that would never make my main music shelf, or the zipper binder in my car. This, to me, is the essence of the Guilty Mixtape. It's not just something that you're embarrassed of loving, it should almost be something that you shouldn't like, but no matter what, you do. The Guilty Mixtape is, in a sense, the island of misfit toys in the stop-motion classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They're those things that you want to push away into a dark corner, but secretly visit and inevitably you love. And I think that's that's very uh, dead-on about what a uh, guilty pleasure is. Right. Um, for me, it's something that I know is not good, but yet I love anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think yours comes from a different place. Yeah. Yours comes from a place of you're ashamed uh, to like it. Like, it's somewhat beneath you. Yeah. See, I have, I have the two. I have the two, which is like, I shouldn't because I should be higher because I'm into art. But then I do, I do agree with you in the moments of like, this is hot trash, and yet I still love it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the interesting dichotomy of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, there there is always shame to be had. There's on always shame. It has to be tied to shame. Yeah, uh, I think mine comes from like my favorite thing in the world is there's this radio guy. Uh, he's super knowledgeable. His name is Phil Schaff. He is on WCRW Columbia Radio eighty nine nine. He knows everything about uh, Charlie Parker. He has an hourly or a three hour show every day about Charlie Parker. But when it just comes to doing on-air stuff, it's it's amateur hour. Really? And there's just something that I can't stop loving about it. And I I don't know. I think my my guilt comes from a very curious place on, like, how and why. Like, how how does their, their technique so bad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, like, uh, my guilty pleasure movie is Daredevil, the one with Ben Affleck. Oh, wow. Nice. Because there's a lot of 
why did this happen? Like this, there are a lot of steps where someone should have been like, oh, we should totally cut this out, but they didn't, and they just left it in. They let it ride, and it's just earnestly bad. And everything from like the directing, it kind of looks like you're watching your friend play a Resident Evil game, to the storyline <laughs> where this woman's just fighting a blind dude in the park, and no one's like questioning it. Right. It's just overall really bad, and I can't get enough of it. Nice. And yeah. I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. I think that's it, too. There's a fascination for me, too, for anything guilty. I feel like it's... It, I mean, again, how did um, some of these songs get made and get a record... I mean, how did some of these bands even get record deals? Like, I look back in, like, movies, TVs, books that I've read, and I and I just question, like, how are people, like, struggling to, like, get letters into the, like... Uh, agents, you know, and then yeah. this, this one person slipped through the cracks. I'm always that to me is the fascination. Too. I also think it, it has a lot to do with cocaine. <laughs> Probably yeah, a lot. Of cocaine. I think a lot of our guilty a lot pleasures of <laughs> and a lot of bad, a lot decisions, of bad decisions come directly from drugs. Yeah, I can. I or 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 nepotism or like or a combo. both. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think if you're uh, if you're that high up on the food chain, it's nepotism and cocaine. Uh, Definitely. But on this this podcast, we are going to talk to uh, some of the leading voices and uh, trendsetters in America and the free world about their pop culture guilty pleasure and why and also other shit. Because why not? So, Steve, you uh, actually interviewed your brother for our first show. Yes. And you did it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Uh, Christmas night. Christmas night. Yes, sir. So basically, uh, you know, my brother has a podcast uh, called Trial and Error, and they've been recording it for at least four or five months now, and they have a basement studio too. Yeah. And I was like, I want to start this podcast, and Mike, I want you to be a guest, but I don't want you to call in. Can I just borrow your studio? And he's like, of course. And so it worked out that my brother and his friend, who have been doing this podcast for so long, I grew up with the friend too. So I said, you know what, Mike? You know my musical taste. You know, like the things that I, for the most part, hid, or you know, of things that like I would make fun of that you liked. But now, years later, I'm like, I actually thought it was pretty cool yeah. too. I was just like being a brother, like, oh, that sucks, you know. So we had a good conversation. Um, the the things that he ended up picking were um, some of them were ones that I like. I knew, like, I knew he would be like, oh, I I like this band. Yeah. Uh, or you know, vice versa, but. Um, Definitely, there were some surprises in there. There were some songs that he picked that, like, he even admitted to, like, singing in the car. And I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. So, it was fun. It was a fun talk. Now, uh, I have so many questions. Why did you do it on uh, Christmas Day? So, uh, Christmas, uh, we came home. And normally, they record, I think, on Friday nights. It's every Friday night. But that year, uh, Christmas Eve, or I'm sorry, the, the Friday fell on, like, a day where like people couldn't do the show. And so they were like, well, the only day that the friend can do it is, is Christmas night. And I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll be in town. Let's do it. Now. Also, uh, your brother records from a basement. We also record from a basement. Yes. In the most beautiful part of New Jersey. Montclair, Montclair, New Jersey. That's right. And, uh, our studio is called, uh, the bunker. Yep. And if you're ever in Montclair, feel free to check in on Foursquare or Swarm app or whatever it's called. But it's called The Bunker because uh, it is basically an unfurnished basement. And there are uh, two giant tube TVs here that we don't know if they work or Do not. Do they even work, yeah. Uh, there's also a bunch of uh, computer parts lying around that Stair equipment. I guess you inherited because you live here. 
and it's basically like a doomsday shelter. In, in, like if if Y2K actually happened, this is where uh, humanity would dwell. This is where we would go. And, then, yeah. and and I also like too that there's like the random like bizarre art of this dude's face over here. There's, there's a rabbi there's oil a rabbi. painting. <laughs> there's a there's a Spider-Man poster. There's it's, a Spider-Man poster. I love everything. Yeah, it, it, that's the best way to put it. There's Monopoly Pokemon, a little bit of everything. Yeah, and we'll we'll be here in the bunker. Uh, well, we'll be in your ears every Monday. So, Steve, let's hear that conversation you had with your brother Christmas Day on Guilty Mixtape. All right. Feeling good? Feeling good. All right, cool. So, Mike, we're here. Uh, you will be my first guest on the show nice. for various reasons. Uh, reason number one is uh, you are probably the only person that knows one, like what music we grew up with from dad, from mom, the whole shebang there. Yeah. But basically, um, I had written a post about how, you know, we were raised with like a very uh, artistic slash, um, you know, good music palette. Like there was no, you know, there, dad, <laughs> dad was not pushing on us really shitty pop music, for instance. No, he wasn't. And, it's always been hard for me to try and describe the types of genres that he liked. I don't think that he really fell into a particular genre. I mean, just like most people, just like myself, you're going to have those ones that you lean towards, but I think just whatever sounded good to his ear. And I think we kind of gained an appreciation for that as well because that's how i am now whatever sounds good to my ear i don't care genre i'm the same way like uh and, and i think because of dad playing various genres of music he, he exactly he didn't care what it was was it good if it was you know orchestral was it good if it was instrumental if it was rock if it was jazz like he was open yeah and so that's what like led me down that road of like well you and i had this like you know a dad who would like be like, all right, well, so what's, what's, what's that? You know, you know, do you know what album that is? Or do you know who's singing that? And I think that we had that mindset of like, we really wanted to know the deeper stories behind music. Yeah. But then there were still those songs, you know, that come through that, you know, if it wasn't coming from dad or maybe it was coming from dad. Cause I think dad had legitimately his own guilty pleasure. Albums. Oh yeah. And if you look through it now, he wouldn't admit to it. Yeah. But like, I always thought like when I was a kid, he had Bruce Hornsby in the range and like a lot of people like Bruce Hornsby in the range, but dad, you would just not expect it. Kind of no. came out of left field, right? Yeah. And other weird things. I remember the best of bread yeah. being in his, exactly. his cassette collection. Like who, I, I don't know anybody who would be like, Oh yeah, bread, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's a good laughs> point. just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that to me was like, he, he was a wit. So he was subconsciously showing us that like there were certain things that he was into or maybe mom was into. And I think that that was the thing too, is like mom had her like show tunes, like musical, you know, theater kind of side that she liked. So yeah. there was like a little bit of that that we were brought up with. So there's always just music everywhere, I guess for us. So for you, um, I know that you know things about me cause just like growing up again, we shared a room and, um, I think early on I had, you know, like, Def Leppard was a guilty pleasure at a time. Um, That's even one that, like now, not afraid to admit it. And even, like, I'll go deep into 
my love for a lot of the stuff that a band like that did, but I remember us being like in high school and I was like, dude, <laughs> you're listening to Def Leppard? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it was just so cheesy at that time in the late 90s. It yep. was it was past their prime, yep. but it wasn't old enough to be like classic rock. You oh, know what I mean? 100%. Well, and then there's times too that like, you would play an album that at first I would be like, I don't know if I like this. Like, it'd be like, like Marilyn Manson, for instance, Mechanical Animals. Like that album, like I was like, I don't think I like this. I don't know if I like this and I'm not even shitting you. Like I will fucking put that album on now and like really like, yeah, that's like, that's like his Bowie type of album. Completely. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that that's how it always starts. You hear something else and you're like, "Eh, what is this? And then like later you're like, listen to it again. And you're like, yeah, this is fucking good. (laughs) And I think that happened with Katie too, because Katie would always have her like weird ace of bass or like things that we weren't into. But I remember distinctly, and you probably remember this too, she had the Eels, uh, one of their albums. Yeah. And it was based off of that one song, Novocaine for the Soul. Yep. And, you know, I, I did, I liked that song just like a lot of people did. It got a lot of radio play and... I don't think it was probably 10 years later before I actually really listened to that album and was like, Oh wow. Yeah. No, it's like, I think that that's where for me it came and I'm sure like same thing, like you're in a grocery store, you're in like wherever in a coffee shop. So I guess, um, I'd like to get started with, um, what, what would you consider your, your ultimate guilty pleasure? If you could, if you could narrow it down to one and you don't have to. Oh, it's hard for me to narrow it down to one, I think. Um, I think I could probably narrow it down to one band, and it's not going to seem that much of a guilty pleasure to you because I know you share love for this band, and this is one of those bands that we got from our father. And it's XTC. Oh, man. And that's a good choice. They're so good. They're such great musicians. It's not like a guilty pleasure in the sense that they were ultra pop music. There's a lot of people who don't even know who they are. I don't know many people in from my generation who know of that band. Yeah. Um, But they're a guilty pleasure for me because they're weird, but they're they're authentic and they're genuine. They're not weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah. They're not always weird, but I mean, you know, yeah. the times that they are. Yeah. And even the the few people that I do know that know that band, it's like, you know, aunts and uncles where they were like, oh yeah, your dad liked that band. And, the Strange New Wave and band. none of they were like, he is the only person I've ever met that liked that band. And I was like, well, guess what? Here's another one. They're amazing. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good choice because it is... It, it's a guilty pleasure to the public at large. Like, right, you weren't, like, yeah. wearing an XTC t-shirt, but exactly. you were like, fuck, I, I need to own every album if I can, like, when I come yeah. across it. And then, I, well, like, so if that became the band, what song, like, really just got you? Like, what was the first one that you were like, I need to know more about this band? Um, I think it had to have been, he had the tape, the, the what is it? Uh, oh, Waxworks, Waxworks. yeah, yes, exactly. which is just like it's all their singles. It's all the singles that they put out from like '78 to '87, or yeah. you know something like that. Yep, like a ten-year span of time. So, I mean, 
and I listen to it front to back. I never want to skip a song, and as soon as you start off, very first track, Science Friction. Yes. And it's just got those weird sound effects, and yeah, just... Man, I but you've love never it heard so anything much. Like it. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of got that that new wave, your Elvis Costello-y type of yeah. feel, your your Talking Heads type of feel, like that stuff going on. But they they were definitely kind of in their own, doing their own thing. Yeah, totally. And they also, um, excuse me. And they also, uh, I think, were good at um, at least from my perspective. And what everything I heard from from what Dad was was about, it was like they had this like tongue in cheek, like "fuck you" attitude under their song. So like the song could be like making plans for Nigel, and you're like, "Oh, this is a great song." But then you learn that you know what it actually means. You listen to the lyrics, and you're like, "This is some biting commentary. Yeah, like, this it is some hardcore shit. It is same thing with um like Love on a Farm Boy's Wages. It it sounds like it's a old timey song yeah. about you know this guy working on the farm and trying to get married to the woman he loves and doesn't make a lot of money see like that's what it is on the surface and then you realize that it's like this whole metaphor for you know kind of having to work for the man and wanting to be an artist in a industrial and agricultural world so it's kind of like that struggle between having to work for your shitty wage yeah. or, but what you really want to do is do your art and, you know, I always loved stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff under the surface. Oh yeah. I think that that was, and, and always is the best art is like artists that are, are able to use allegories or like other ways of telling stories and like telling one story frontwards, but underneath it's like 10 other different things that are going on. Yes. And like, and all my favorite bands musicians are artists in more than just their music generally they have some kind of a do-it-yourself mentality a it's my understanding i think xtc even put out some records under like a pseudonym yeah they did dukes of the stratosphere maybe i think something like that something like that yeah yeah and i think that they were trying to like rip on the beatles or something they were doing something to like yeah not like say fuck you Beatles, but like no. eh, yeah, you know, like we're gonna make a like poppy, like you know, '60s psychedelic thing or whatever. But no, that is a great choice, and I think not a choice of something you would hide from the family, but something that maybe you'd hide from friends because they would just be like, "What is this weird?" Yeah, or maybe like the, the or I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bring it up because I'm just like, eh, nobody would get it, or they wouldn't, they never would have heard of them, right? Something like that, yeah. Okay, and then, um, so we kind of talked about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm sure you own at least a couple albums, right? Now. I think that's the only one that I own. Is Waxworks. Um, thank God for the internet, though. Yeah. I'm a big fan of A Coat of Many Cupboards, which mm. I believe is a lot of like B-sides and demos and stuff like that, acoustic versions of songs. So you kind of... You know, you get to hear them a little bit differently, or you get to hear them in the early stages. I really like that with bands that I really respect. Yeah. Is to hear where the song came from, or hear it a completely different way, or in a different tempo, or in a different key. Yeah. Sometimes it's like hearing a new song, 
almost, even though you're hearing a song that you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes like, like wow, what were they thinking? Yeah. Why did they change this? Is actually a better. Yeah. The demo version is ten times better than the final. Yeah. You know? Or sometimes you're like, oh, this is really good. Like I can't fault them for putting the one that they put on the finished product, but this is really good. Totally. Yeah. <coughs> and then, um, I guess uh, I'm sure you enjoy this just you know at your desk or you know other other ways. But I mean, do you ever find yourself like jamming out? in the car or anything like that. I'm really big into listening through headphones. Yeah. Um, some of that is out of respect for my wife. Right. <laughs> because I have She's to listen to my music. Yeah. I have to listen to my music. Really loud. loud. Same thing. I love it loud. So, um, I'm sure I probably look like an idiot sometimes because I'll be like mouthing Losing the words it. to myself. I'll be pumping my fist or whatever. And I probably look 10 times more idiotic when I'm home alone, mm-hmm. but th- that's what you're supposed to do with music. Yeah. You know? Oh, Rashmi like cracks up, especially if I'm listening to something like really heavy or like whatever. And I'm just like getting into it. She's like, <laughs> cause all she can see is my head like, yeah. bouncing around. And and it's, it. it's funny too, because like I really rebelled against a lot of the, the radio format rock yeah. from my early years from, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. And I'm, when I say that, I'm even talking like before the whole grunge thing happened. Right. Cause that's kind of like where our generation kind of got something that was our own. It kind of started with that grunge thing. And that was, you know, 91, 92, but I'm talking, you know, eighties rock power ballads and yep. not necessarily hair metal. I've never, there's not that much hair metal that I'm into even to this day. Same. Some of it. All right. You know, I might yeah. get down to some, I want to rock. Yeah. By exactly. twisted sister <laughs> exactly. or, you know, stuff like that, but yep. not a whole lot. Yep. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah. See the same thing. It's, I think, I think some of the eighties hair rock is, has become guilty pleasures for me, but in the same mode of like, I'm not going to listen to the whole discography and be like, yeah, like I'm so into journey, but like certain songs, I'm like, that's yeah. a fucking jam. But there are, I mean, songs that were really prevalent on rock radio, especially around here. Yeah. In the eighties that I almost kind of hear it with new ears now, I guess, yeah. or I might've even liked it then, but like I say, I rebelled against it. So I just kind of yeah. stuffed it in the closet yeah. And almost forgot about it. Yeah. Like Phil Collins was the yeah. the biggest thing on the planet for a really long time. Yeah. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, screw Phil Collins. He's so pop and this and that. Screw that era of Genesis, right? Because I right, totally everything. had that too for a while. Yeah. For so, a while. So for me, it was, it was all about Peter Gabriel era Genesis. Yep. And then I kind of rediscovered... Um, you know, Invisible Touch or something, right? Not even Invisible Touch. Like the very first album with Phil Collins. Oh yeah, yeah. As lead singer, yes. A Trick of the Tail. A Trick of the Tail is amazing. Great album. Yep. But then, um, there are still now I can go back and listen to like some Phil Collins solo stuff and be like, oh yeah, I liked that then. I like it now. Totally. Not all of it. 
you know, he still had some syrupy stuff. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Susudio, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> but like, I was actually, I forgot so many of those songs. Like you, uh, generally, there were a lot of songs that would get radio play. Yeah. That I know the song, but maybe I didn't know the title, or I just it totally. had been so long since I heard it. So I was just, I had that in mind, and I just you know started typing in Phil Collins to see what came up and um take me home yeah. came up and I was like oh what an awesome song yep and don't lose my number came up and I was like I listened to it again and I was like man this is it's so pop but it is so good yeah so good that's a amazing choice cuz then the the part that always got me was I always associated Phil Collins solo with uh, what was that really horrible K and R or something. It was like a very like elevator music radio um, station here. You know what I'm talking about? I was it say, WHK? Maybe that's what it was. Like it had a very like syrupy voice toast. And like when I was at the dentist, WHK, we're gonna play some Phil Collins. And like you're just <laughs> yeah. like fuck this station, you know? Because yeah. we were raised with WMMS, we were raised with 89X or you know 89X and NCX and stuff and classic rock. And so I associated Phil with that. And then, like, same thing. Like, for me, years later, I rediscovered these songs. And I'm like, I, same, same. Even Easy yeah. Lover. Like, it's a it's a Motown cover. And you're just like, no. Yeah. But now I hear it now, and I'm like, turning it up. And I'm like, this is a yeah. pretty damn good song, yeah. you know? And I mean, every everybody knows In the Air Tonight, because now it's become, you know, Sampled. through. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, become this, this crazy thing. But, you know, there are some... There's some gems out there. Like I said, there's plenty of crap that I could just do without at the same time. Yeah. As far as he goes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing I think of of Genesis in general is like they were such a transformation from like this like progressive, like really ethereal, almost medieval, like kind of getting David Bowie-ish in the space realm and like very. Yeah. And then they just totally changed and like I wonder like what some of these fans like thought like when they like went to that like place of like Susudio like when they came out just like yeah how did you go from there to here yeah. but then how did you get to yeah exactly but then I saw the documentary and I don't know if you got to see it, it it's not as good as I thought as it would be the BBC one but I, you I don't think I've seen it no it's not that good but it shows you behind the scenes of each album and it seems like what had happened is a lot of the other band members got to like write songs later so like Peter Gabriel was definitely like early on writing a lot of songs Tony Banks was still like writing a lot of songs but then you see like later in the band's like evolution other band members got involved and they just must have had like a more pop sensibility I guess or yeah whatever. I'm I know that once Steve Hackett left they because he was probably I mean that guy he's just a progressive very good crazy guitar player so I'm guessing you know once he left that kind of set the shift towards more pop music kind of got set in motion at that point yeah yeah I even see newer footage of Phil Collins playing drums and he's a lot more of a pop drummer or a lot less you know, a lot less technical, which I was, it's Mm -hmm. weird because I'm like, well, he had to play some crazy stuff in the early days of Genesis. 
Oh yeah. Well, that's um, excuse me. I um, I always wondered if there was a moment of like he just thought that that had played itself out too. Like he was like kind of like you know we hit our ceiling with what we could do with that kind of music, and I never. I would like to know, like, what their thought process was, you know? But Genesis, man. Yeah. Collins, it's, it's great. Um, and I guess uh, with anything else, um, any specific songs, any other, like, tracks that you're just like, you know what? For me, um, just song-wise, like, still staying in the, like, 80s rock type of thing cheesy songs Billy Idol Dancing With Myself oh yeah I don't know why it's a great song and, and like yeah you know I love Rebel Yell right like White Wedding you mm-hmm. know those are like his his big hits but Dancing With Myself is the really like poppy song yep it might be a cover I'm not even sure that's good yeah <clears throat> I could be wrong but that's probably that's one of the poppiest songs I know by him but like I say I never owned any Billy Idol records so I can't say um Cutting Crew I Just Died in Your Arms oh, Tonight man. nice <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, so I don't know why but it's it's such I don't an know epic, why. epic track yeah um there's an oh Triumph Lay It on the Line oh man Triumph is a good, yeah. All these songs, I can't even tell you why I like them. I just know that when they when they play, yeah. I can't help but want to sing them. Right. Even if it's singing them to myself, or if it came on, I'm probably not going to change the station. Right. There's right. plenty of things that'll come on the radio that I'm like, nope, done. Screw that. <laughs> Immediately changing it. Yep. So I, and then here's one you're gonna like, from from our childhood. Yeah. Um. Midnight Oil. Dude. Beds are burning. So good. <laughs> Dude. I still to this day jam that out. Because same thing. I'm like, at first, I, I don't even know where we got that song on a tape where we recorded it I or think, what. I think it was in the days when we had that karaoke machine. So it had um, That's it had the, the double te- tape deck on it and it had two microphones. Oh, yeah. And we would just record stuff off the radio and make, we would literally mix make tapes. mixtapes. Yeah, we would make mixtapes and then we would produce our own like radio fake radio show. <laughs> we really did. And then we would just play, all right, here's Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd cue it up. <laughs> no, and the same thing, like at the time I'm like, I hated his high pitch, like, wah, 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 and now I'm like, Yes, like hit that fucking note. And like it's so important like that song is like well produced too and like I don't know anything else by Midnight Oil but that song yeah. I fucking love. And like the Scorpions, I I couldn't tell you um like I don't own anything by the Scorpions. We we own some tapes a couple back in the same day. Thing. Greatest hits um, things. Man, that's a good band. Like, I don't care what anyone says. That's a good band. But yep. still, it's a guilty pleasure because, again, you're not gonna rock the T-shirt. You're not gonna. Yep. You're not gonna have your buddies over and be like, "All right, let me put on some music," and then put on "Rock You Like a Hurricane" <laughs> and "The Zoo," and you know. Damn, is it so good? Yeah, they're good. No, that's so. That's even a lot of my guilty pleasures are bands that I I really do respect. There yeah. are bands that I really respect as artists. So, but you know, they're just not always my thing, yeah. or they're just not the thing to listen 
to with a group. It's yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. Like my guilty pleasures are music that's just for me. Yeah, when I'm by myself, you know. Yeah, I respect the Cure, but I don't like if I if I was jamming out love song or just like heaven in my car and I stopped at a stoplight yeah. in Lorraine or in Cleveland or something like that, you damn right I'm rolling up the fucking window <laughs> because or turning it down or something yeah. because it just it just doesn't sit right. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't know, maybe I should own it better. But like I say, that's that's kind of the whole concept I think there's with a the personal yeah, the personal side. And that's yeah. well that's why like a lot of these things that I think you're talking about to me feel like they're one of those things like I've learned this from singing karaoke and like really getting into it with colleagues is like it's a song you'll put in that you're like I fucking love this song and it's only for me but if everyone else gets into it I'm gonna like lose it because I I want them to all be like yeah yeah and like some of these songs are songs you're talking about where it's like in a in a social setting or like yeah if you're jamming out like with your earphones and people can overhear you're like no you're gonna turn it down but in a karaoke situation, you're all gonna like lose, especially if you're a little drunk or a little, you know, feeling yeah. good. And so there's definitely like a form of like, you, other people probably feel the same way as you, but at the same time, you're all kind of like, I don't want to admit that I like this role, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah, it's part of the deal. Should I get weird now? Should I talk like weird music? Totally get weird. Um, I'll start with just songs. Yeah. Um. You probably you'll probably remember this one, the song "How Bizarre" by OMC. Amazing song. OMC, "How Bizarre." Yes, I still carry that one. I I and again, it's it's just so different. It's just so different, and I haven't heard a single other song by that group. Yeah. And I don't want to because mm-hmm. I'd probably be disappointed, or I'd be like. Yeah. You know, it, it would just ruin, it would ruin the nostalgia for that one particular song. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to ruin it. I just want to be like, I like this song. Yeah. And I don't know why. It is kind of bizarre, though, that song. It is. But again, maybe it's a, it's a culture thing. Mm. I had to, I had to look them up. I assumed that they were like Latin American. That's what I assumed. And because I think it even has those horns and like it that. It totally, I mean, it totally like that, sounds like that whole kind of world music but I don't think they are, and they're not like SoCal or anything. I would assume you know what? They were. I don't know. I you're gonna have to forgive me. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, only it. because I remember being surprised that they weren't like from Mexico or from you know somewhere in South America. Right. Right. New Zealand. New Zealand? They're from New Zealand. I never in a million years would have thought that. Yeah. Like... And completely... I mean, but... Okay. Like, fine. I always loved the lyrics of that song. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Um, any other quick tracks you got? As far as weird stuff goes, um, Ghostland Observatory... Mm. A, a lot of their music mm. um, vibrate in specific. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the music is done by like a guy with synthesizers and stuff like that who wears a cape. And then the other guy is a guy who sings 
and he's got this, like, a Freddie Mercury voice. Like, I'll put oh. it right up there with Freddie Mercury's voice. It's amazing. As well as he can sing, and, like, Michael Jackson type of dance moves. So it's just really off the wall. Is it just him and his synth kind of thing? Yeah, it's just, Holy like, shit. those two guys. Oh, okay. But... It, so it's so weird. It's really, it's kind of, you know, synth pop type of music with Freddie Mercury style singing on it. So wow. it's kind of hard to listen to a lot, but it's hard not to kind of respect the artistry that's there. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably just go into a genre, a genre that doesn't fit what people would associate me with because you know I come out of rock and roll blues like progressive rock a little bit of metal even some hip-hop things like that yeah that's kind of my background so people who know me probably wouldn't associate me with bluegrass music yeah but I love bluegrass circa 1930s to 1950s awesome like um earl scruggs Mm. and the foggy mountain boys stuff like that i don't know what it is about the banjo i love the the tones that come out of a banjo so i really love especially the bluegrass style over the claw hammer style i love the the, so picking. The, yeah, the finger picking yeah, that yeah. you hear in the Beverly Hillbillies theme. Totally. I just love it. Oh, yeah. There's something about that tone. Yeah, and that, like, that was something you probably were introduced a couple of years ago, right? This was not like a... Or did you look, like it even when you were younger? But just, it, it has grown as a guilty pleasure. I think, yeah, I think there, I always kind of... There was always something there, because I say, like, there was something about the banjo I always liked, but yeah. I... It's not even like any of the country music that's around here was always pop country. Totally. I couldn't even tell you to this day what station you could go to besides maybe some college station where on, on Thursday night at 9 PM for two hours, they play really old bluegrass music. Like there isn't, you know, we, when we grew up, classic rock was already a genre. Like that was a, you could go, and listen to just music, rock and roll music from the 60s and 70s. Where do you go to listen to just country music from the 50s and 60s? Right, right. I have, I don't know. It's For all. the internet. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Luck. Yeah. So, I, you know, I didn't even really know that I liked it that much. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the things that I heard in like the band or even Led Zeppelin or yeah. so, you know, some of those old, those country rockabilly type of fundamentals that they incorporated probably helped give me an appreciation for it. And then yeah, the band's a good call on that too. And, yeah. and Zeppelin, cause they totally were influenced, not just by the blues. They were influenced by like all forms of Americana. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Band too. Yeah. You're listening to Guilty Mixtape. I'm Matt Bogart. And as always, I'm joined by uh, my co-host, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. How That's are you? Steve Long. Steve, let me tell you something. When I come to the great town of Montclair, New Jersey, two things come in my head. Yep. What do you think? What's one of them? Name one of them. Sky. 
The sky. Yeah, I mean, that's not one of them, but I am greeted by that. One might be a methadone clinic, but mm. the other one is Montclair's. It's known for that, and I know the other one is Al's Pizza. Yes. Why Why do we love Al's Pizza here in Montclair, New Jersey? Oh, my God. I mean, first, there's so many reasons. First of all, Al is such a character. He is. Isn't he, though? Yeah. He, He's got this crazy mustache that yeah. he never trims, so it's like kind of overgrown. And he, but he'll trim his beard. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's out for you. It's crazy. He's Al. got that 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 mustache. It's kind of like Mario. Yep. It really defines his face. Uh, he he hates the Vietnamese big time. Yeah, he's he'll like, tell you. Yeah, he's like I fought those sons of bitches forty years ago, and I still have to see them today with a smile on my fucking face. And we're like, Al, that's not cool. But you know what is cool? Your pizza. His pizza. Al's in uh, the beautiful. What? what uh, it's it's the, not. It's what? what? St- st- um, Stable Orchards uh, Pavilion. Stable Orchards Pavilion in Montclair, New Jersey. It's a, it's in the shopping center, tucked away by the Pathmark. Yep. But his pizza is out of this world. When he's not. Chasing the Vietnamese out with a frying pan. He's putting on some extraordinary toppings. His culinary pedigree, first of all, I didn't know if you know this. He was trained in France. Oh, wow. I did not know that. He was. Uh, a street cart, actually, <laughs> He's in street- France. Wow. That's right. That's right. So Was this before or after Vietnam for this, Al? This was post-Vietnam. Post-Vietnam. Okay. So what, so what had happened was he was stationed in France. Yeah. And uh, he got a hankering for uh, wanting to learn how to cook pizza. Yeah, just let, that's that's exactly what happened. Cool. <laughs> and 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 then he went from there. And it, what what blows my mind now is today, you know, he he's carried every place that he's gone with him, like those those toppings, right? Yeah. So, you know, he he oh, even though he toppings. hates the country of Vietnam, you know, oh he, he hates them. <laughs> he hates them. He definitely likes to put a lot of basil like this, but like the Vietnamese like basil on his stuff, you know. So it's like to me, it's like. It's his way of saying, you know what? Fuck that place, but goddamn do I love that basil. <laughs> yeah, and that's the name of the pie. It's it's screw Vietnam, but here's the basil. Al's pizza. Uh he has a birds of pre- uh birds of prey pie where it's just all the predator birds. It's like it's got some owl on it, has mm. some eagle on it. And uh, some of that basil we were talking about, of course, of course. and it's it's not that good, but it's the idea that he hunted these things down, the way he felt hunted in Vietnam, and then he put it on his his pizza that he learned in France. It, it, it is, just comes full circle with Al. He can't help but put himself in every single pie. Oh yeah, that... and when you go to his restaurant, Al's Pizza. In Montclair, New Jersey, you feel like you're part of the story. You really The story do. of his sad, insane, heroin-driven life. <sighs> I know. And you know what? You know what, though? Um, one day, he will throw his last pie in the air, you know? And we know it's coming. Oh, like, yeah. If you look at him, he's getting gray. He's getting the, old. The Board of Health is cracking down They're on cracking him. cracking down the on him. The IRS is cracking down on him. <laughs> They're all cracking down on Al's, but yep. hey, you got to check Al's out before it goes Keep out of business, yes. right? Check them out before they're fully closed, and and uh, basically the bars are, are put over the front window. Yeah, you better get there soon. But you know what Al will do? And he's told me this before. He goes, if those sons of bitches shut me down for not paying my fucking taxes and for not making the pizza I want to make with 
different people out of the kitchen. He's voting Trump. He's just going to do it in his garage. That that's that's all. That's totally yeah. what he would do. That makes perfect sense. He's going to sit. He's going to sit in his backyard on a lawn chair. He's going to shoot the birds down out of the sky and put it on the the pizza prey pie, the birds of prey pizza pie, and that's just Al for you. Yeah. Steve, where where's Al's uh, location again? It's right next to the Pathmark. It's near the Pathmark. It's, it's at the Stockbridge Pavilion in beautiful Montclair, New Jersey. Check it out. Check out Al's while you can. And now, back to Guilty Mixtape. All right. The only last thing I need from you is your name. What do you do? Your socials and anything that you want to like <coughs> drop down there and all that good stuff. Introduce yourself to the Guilty Mixtape audience. What's up, music lovers? This is Michael Patrick Long. I am a film student at Cleveland State University, and I'm a longtime music fan and listener. I am the brother of your host, Stephen Long. I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> well, mention uh, the, the podcast, yeah. Co-host? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I also co-host the Trial and Error podcast. You can find us at trialandarrorshow.com. You can find all the links there. And we do talk a lot about music, as well as many other topics, many other medias. I think that's all I got. Awesome. And then uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Seriously. Appreciate this. This is the first show. Yeah. Hell Happy yeah. to be here. Thanks, man. It was a blast. Uh, so there you have it. That was uh, my brother's guilty mixtape, basically. So um, my brother's podcast itself, uh, you guys can find online at trialandairshow.com. And they record every Friday. And you can find them on Twitter at TNE Show. They're also on a site called MixLR, which is mixlr.com. Yeah. And you look up Trial and Air Show. Cool. So, well, uh, Subscribe to their show. Subscribe to our show, Guilty Mixtape. You can do that on uh, iTunes. Um, what's the other one? Should we, do, should we do Stitcher? Stitcher. Any Anywhere you get your, your podcast, anywhere. just subscribe to ours. Feel free to follow us. Steve is on Twitter at ShootByDaylight. I'm on Twitter at Matthew underscore Bogart. Two T's in Matthew. And also Guilty Mixtape on Twitter. If you Facebook. Yeah, Instagram. We were basically everywhere with, under the username Guilty Mixed. Yeah. Pinterest. Even Pinterest. Yeah. Coming you, soon. We, you can pin us. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next Monday. Later. Au revoir. Au revoir.